Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Cool. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 5. We're going to read a story known as the healing at the pool on the Sabbath. John chapter 5, we're going to read verse 1 through 17, and I'm going to read out of the ESV, the English Standard Version today. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll throw it up on the screen, and you can read along up there. Ready? John 5, this is verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll break it down. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, which are blind, lame, and paralyzed people. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Great question, Jesus. Verse 7, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's a Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Once again, thank you, Jesus. Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for what you're already doing Just thank you for supernatural peace here today. Uh, Just commit my word, my spirit to you, that you would communicate to each and every person exactly how you do. Your word doesn't return void, so we just press into it now to receive everything you have for us today. And it's in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. So I made a comment about it, because the first question Jesus asked this, guys, do you want to be healed? And I just like to draw to your attention and point out, isn't that a little bit offensive? So this guy, almost four decades, so 38 years, almost 40 years, this guy is sick. He's blind, he's lame, he's paralyzed, he can't move, he can't see, and he's at this pool where healing would happen. And here's the interesting thing about this story. It's a bit crazy, but it's one of those crazy Bible stories that you just got to grow to love, is it says in verse 4, in a different translation, it actually says that an angel would come and minister. So a ministering spirit would come, would show up, and would basically stir the waters. So I just have this picture like he'd hit the button and the jets would come on in a hot tub. I don't know, but it's, it's like, what do you do with that? An angel would show up, stir the waters, and then it would say whoever would get there first would be healed. So it's this crazy story, but I think we'll unpack it a bit and you'll understand more and more why, why it's defined or described or illustrated in this way. But the first question Jesus asked this guy, who's clearly there wanting to be healed, is, do you want to be healed? Can I just give you a quote that one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Braden quotes him a lot too. You're going to say, Pastor Braden is one of my favorite pastors, but he quotes the guy, Bill Johnson, and, he said, and Bill Johnson always says, sometimes God offends our mind to reveal our heart. 
So I just want to encourage you with this too. It's one of the things I've had to learn. And when you walk and you try to mature, as we hopefully try to do, God can actually say some offensive things. So, so when something comes across that offends you a little bit, don't reject it and just think, well, that couldn't be the Lord. There's no, that, no way that could be God. I remember years ago when I first started pursuing God, one of the first things the Lord told me that I help encourage a, a lot of people, I share this with young adults lately, is that the Lord spoke this phrase to me while I was praying for my brother. He said, hey, you're not his Holy Spirit. I was like, well, that's a little bit offensive. I'm like, of course I'm not his Holy Spirit. I know I'm not his Holy Spirit. I know I'm not God. And the Lord's like, well, why are you trying to be? I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, why are you carrying so much of his journey? You know, I love that the Bible says, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But there's a difference in carrying something and wearing something. And I like to help people with that a lot. But a lot of times you, you may have a heart for somebody else. You're walking out of a lifestyle that you want your friends, family members co-workers, whoever it may be to walk out of, but there's a fine line between having a desire to help them and end up carrying the weight of their journey where you wear it. It's like, can we all just agree? There's healthy things. So that was a little bit offensive. <laughs> also remember when I was finishing Bible school about 2009, 2010 at Christ for the Nations, and I had already done, uh, finished my degree exercise in sports science from Texas State University. So I have a coaching and teaching degree then a couple years later, going to Bible school, start pursuing God, and I'm just like done with school. I'm extremely thankful for my experience and everything God did at CF&I, but it's like I've been in school a long time, and I'm just ready to get out, right? Anybody else ever been there? You're like, I can't wait to get out, can't wait to graduate. I'm like, there's a call on my life that I feel like I'm answering that's ministry, and I want to pursue God and be in ministry, and the week that I'm graduating... One of my friends from South Korea that you just have to learn to listen to because they pray way more than you do, and it just is what it is. Her name, her name is Ming Jung Kwan. True story, MJ. She walks up to me and she goes, I was praying for you. And I'm like, okay, so you take it really seriously. Like, she wasn't just like, oh, I had a thought. She's like, no, I prayed for you for about two hours. You're like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, this happens in real life. And so she said, I was praying for you, and I feel like the Lord told me you're not done with school yet. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm about to graduate, and then I'll be done. She's like, no, 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 you're not done. Like, God has something else. And in my head, I'm like, I do not want a master's degree, for sure not a doctorate, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it was not in my heart to pursue further education. So it kind of offended me, and I completely rejected it. I'm like, that's not the Lord. And wouldn't you know it, I'm working for a nonprofit organization six months later, and I'm online looking at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California, and that phrase pops in my head, you're not done with school. Boom. It was once offensive, and then it was once God. But can I just encourage you now? Sometimes they're the same thing, and you should just get that in your head up front. So what he's doing is he's challenging us, and he's saying things that to our mind, to our intellect, to our logic are offensive. But he's trying to pull out where is your heart. What do you want? So do you want to be healed? Of course, Jesus. Why are you even asking this? But he asked it many times to offend our minds, to reveal our heart. So the guy responds, verse 7, Sir, I have no one to put into the pool, or I have no one that will put me into the pool when the water stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps before me. So the angel would come, stir up the water, as we mentioned, and, and the first ones to get there would experience the healing. 
So I don't want to go too far into this now, but can you just see the picture of the law in this? And the works and the, the steps and the things you have to do and this competitive thing of like, I got to be there first to get something from God. So I have no one to put me in the water and stirred. And while I'm going, another steps before me. I can't see and I can't walk, Jesus. But yes, I think I do want to be healed. But can I tell you this? When God asks your heart a question, don't answer with your mind. If you do, he'll just keep asking questions to get, to get you to pull out what's in your heart. So he, he doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. He asks questions because he wants to bring healing into your life, and he wants to restore things, and he wants you to get you to connect with him. This whole thing is about relationship, newsflash. It's not about steps or practices or sacraments or tradition, unless those things are about connecting with him through relationship. It's about relationship. He's after our heart. So the man's response is, I can't get there fast enough. I don't know what to do. God doesn't need us to explain. He just needs us to receive. So Jesus answered, don't you love this? It's almost like, uh-huh, 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 sure, sure, sure. Yeah, get up, take your bed, and walk. So he's, so, he's, he's so absolutely definite on what he wants to do when it comes to healing. There's never any reservation, never any question. As Cody mentioned, both services, I think, that Jesus went around, is it Acts 10? Jesus went around doing good and healing all. There's not one instance where Jesus prayed for healing and it didn't happen. It's like, well, you didn't have enough faith. I don't really feel like doing it. Sorry. Maybe later. Come back tomorrow. Come back to the next conference, you know? No. Every single time, if we get that in our hearts, I promise we will approach God with so much more confidence. If you know it's his will and his desire every time, you go after it every time. My wife is literally in pain right now at our house. And she woke up and her back went out. And I went after it the whole time for about an hour straight. And then I left. And she's getting a little better. And then one of our friends went over there and stayed with her and prayed for the whole time. And then another friend is already asking me, hey, can we go over there and pray for her? You know what my answer is? Yes. Because God's answer is healing every time. So you don't back off. You never give up. You never give in, which is why God is asking. There's people here today, you haven't experienced physical healing in your body, and God is asking, do you want it? Well, it's been too long. But do you want it? See, when you know his will, you, you never not want it. It's like I mentioned Bill Johnson. A lot of people don't even know this, that Eric Johnson is a senior pastor, his son, who's taken over the church who was born 95% deaf and is still 95% deaf. And he goes after it and has people pray over him all the time. And he prays for people and they get healed of deafness all the time. There's something in that that's like, hey, you know what? I'm just not moved by the circumstance or situation nearly as much as you think because I know who God is and I know his will. And if it doesn't happen, I'll just keep going. I'll keep pressing in, not give up, that's why God's talking to the heart. I think he's talking to the heart that's like, well, I'm here again, but it's not going to happen because I can't do this. And Jesus is like, mm, little do you know. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. And then what happens? He was healed immediately. So the guy walks. The story goes on. And then the religious people show up. They say, it's a Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. So the religious people knew the law, right? 
They knew what was lawful. They knew what the law said and what it said not to do. And then Jesus shows up and he does something on the Sabbath, which is like work to them. Little did they know. But he's ministering on the Sabbath. And then they see this guy with his bed, which he's supposed to be laying on and resting. And they're like, hey, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the law. Do you ever think about they didn't even bring up the healing? So you can be so religious that all you see is something that is a mistake in the law that you miss a miracle? Like, well, but but that wasn't right. That person doesn't even live for God. But he lives for them, doesn't he? There's no way that should happen. This person doesn't say the right thing, do the right thing. I experienced that because I grew up word of faith where it was like, very true, and we talk about it, and there's a lot of truth in it, that there's power in your words and what you declare, and we see fruit from what we declare. And I've spoken to my body. I've spoken to things and seen healing and experienced that, but I've also seen people that speak the wrong thing and still get res- good results, and I'm like, what? And the Lord's like, oh, you thought my favor was limited to your act of obedience through your mouth? Oh, no, it's a lot bigger than that. I actually love you. I'm like, Whoa. It's just bigger, but the religious heart and mind is so focused on the law, so focused on black and white, right or wrong, that when Jesus shows up and performs miracles, you don't even acknowledge it? Like, isn't that a good thing that the guy was blind and lame for 38 years and now he's not? You're focused on the bed, bro? Like, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. The religious heart can't see the miracle through the mistake. Look, I, I experienced this firsthand, that a story I've shared often, but years ago when I first started pursuing God, about 10 years ago, really pursuing Him, I started coaching and teaching in a Christian school, and we had this event, it was kind of like this local missions event where we go to different areas, inner city, and projects, and different places, and just, you know, love on kids, feed kids, and connect with kids, and share the gospel, mainly just through loving them and demonstration, not teaching, but in one of these settings, we sat down, and we had this small kind of discussion, if you will. It was kind of like a Bible study, but really it was just me sharing my testimony. So I circled up with about 20, 30 kids and a couple parents who were there, had kids in junior high or high school and whatnot, and wanted to be a part of it, and ended up sharing the story of my senior in high school where I, where I prayed to God and said, I want you to prove that you're real. And I actually knew God was real to a degree. I was just asking him to show me in a way that I could not deny. In other words, in other words I read the Bible and I'm like, I believe that's true. There's truth in there. God's spoken to me through the Bible. I see the way my parents have lived for you, how much faith they have in you, and I honor that and I see that. But I haven't really chosen to live for you in an extreme way, and I need you to show me you're real. And I woke up at about 3.30 in the morning to what I thought was my dad's hand shaking me. And I popped up, turned around, And felt a voice in my spirit say, is that good enough? It was God talking to me. In other words, yeah, I'm real. (laughs) And I actually want you to feel me. I want you to experience me. And so I woke up, and all I know is it felt like my dad's hand. I turned around. No one was there. This overwhelming peace came over me. And so I share this story to encourage kids on how real God is and how he meets me in my life and how he can do the same for you. But to one of the religious moms, the only thing she heard is like, well, what about the scripture? It's like she ended up saying later to me and to one of the kids, she was like, you know, that's a cool experience and all, but I mean, shouldn't we be pointing them to scripture? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pointing them to the scripture that just came to life. 
The Bible says the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is alive and active, living and powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrates to dividing soul and spirit. And it judges the, the thoughts of our heart. It's like the word is so intimate, so relational, so personal. I just talked about it in 2 Corinthians. The word, the word, actually says you're the letter. It's like, wait, I'm the letter? So I'm like the page that, yeah, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of God that he writes on you. It's no longer tablets of stone, which is the law. Now it is tablet of your heart through the Spirit of God known as grace. It's no longer about the law, but the religious leaders can't see that to the point where a miracle happens that, that, a, that, that a guy who is sick for almost four decades gets healed and they can't even see it. Because they were so stuck in religion. So in verse 14, Jesus says this. After this happened, they asked, they're like, who did this? And, and the guy's like, I don't really know. And then he's like, you know, someone prayed for me, and that guy told me to take up your bed. That was the issue they had. Who told you to carry your bed? He's like, I don't know, some guy, and he left. Well, Jesus shows back up, encounters the guy, and says, verse 14, see you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Can I just ask you an honest question? Is that a little bit challenging? Have any of you ever read that scripture and thought, man, is Jesus saying this guy's sick because he sinned? That he's blind because he sinned? That he can't walk or can't, can't see that he's an invalid because he sinned? Like, I don't know about you, but that doesn't line up with the nature of God and almost anything that we preach. And so I immediately have an issue with that, and I just start going, okay, Time out, which can I encourage you to do this when you go on the journey of understanding the nature of God and the goodness of God and you find so much scripture about his goodness. When you read a scripture you don't understand, just call a time out. It's like, Lord, you got to talk to me. you got to help me. And so I processed this and I just remember the Lord just started asking me questions. And one of the first questions was, it just felt like he was helping me. Wouldn't it be cruel as a father to address sin in your kid's life but not tell them what it was? Like, wouldn't it be cruel? And I use AJ, who's two, which is a terrible example, but it's funny. It's like, AJ, stop sinning. He's like, <laughs> number one, he doesn't have a clue what sin is. Number two, he does it all the time. <laughs> all the time. He's like body checking our dog for no reason. He's like a <laughs> linebacker. He just, yesterday, he comes in the house and he's like, like hitting our dog. I'm like, you're out of control. Like Dallas basketball looks more like it. AJ, I'm like, rugby. Yeah, rugby. <laughs> but it's like, God wouldn't do that. A father wouldn't do that. I'm not going to punish my kids or, or just label sin in their life without defining it, without explaining it. So I'm like, the Lord wouldn't just say, hey, sin no more. And the guy's like, what the flip does that mean? Like, like what, am I, what am I doing that I'm not supposed to be doing? So I would propose to you, that God wouldn't do that, and he didn't do that, and he actually addressed what the sin was with the very first question. Hey, do you want to be healed? You're like, really, Jesus? Really? Do I want to be healed? No, I'm just laying here. I'm cool not seeing anything, cool not walking, cool living by this pool of mercy, Bethesda. Don't want anything to do with it. It's like, yeah, but do you want to be healed? It's like, what is he addressing? It's like he's addressing this thing in him because the guy responds, well, 
I don't have anyone to get me there because I need to get there at the front. I need to be like the first one to get there so that then I can get what I'm supposed to get from you. And the Lord's like, yeah, I can see how you could think that within the law. But now I'm Jesus and I'm the person of grace and I'm asking you, do you want to be healed? Can I just tell you, the Lord told me this in between services because just at the first service have to bear with me. It's like I'm processing a lot of this and trying to finish the message and my wife collapsing or whatever. And, and so, but, but in between services, the Lord is like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's like, the throne of the law is mercy. And it's good. It's just not the end. So within the law, the throne is mercy. But within grace, the throne is grace. Within the new covenant, the throne is grace. Within the old covenant, the throne is mercy. Because the pool of Bethesda is known as the pool of mercy. The word Bethesda means mercy. And can I just tell you, when you read the commandments... I combined two of them last service just for fun. I said, do not murder your parents. It was bad translation. But it says, honor your father and mother. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. It lists these commandments, which we'd all agree those are good not to do. So the whole point is, hey, don't do this and you won't be punished. What is that? Mercy. Mercy. So within the law, the throne or the, the only the, the highest ascension, the, the, the top of the peak is mercy. It's that within the law, it was a good thing when it's like, hey, you should eat these things and these are unclean. There were these rules to be healthy and to be blessed and not to experience punishment and pain. It was mercy. But when Jesus shows up and he's asking if you want to be healed, he's not asking if you want mercy. He's asking if you want grace. He's saying, hey, you, this pool is here to help you obtain mercy. But I'm here to help extend grace and give you something that you couldn't even imagine. So when I ask, do you want to be healed? I'm actually asking you to transition from a law-based mindset where you think you have to do anything to get it. Oh, I got to get to the front of the line. No, you just got to know Jesus did. No, I, gotta, I just got to work a little bit harder. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So I know I have to work. But can I just tell you that's true, but working for God and working with God are two very different things. Faith works with God. The law works for God. So Jesus is addressing this issue the whole time. So sin no more so that something worse doesn't happen. Stop believing you have to do something to get something from me. And start believing I already did it. So all you have to do is posture your heart as a son or daughter that is willing and ready to receive from a perfect father. See, it's crazy because we shared, shared this last service, but it, and I already mentioned this once here, the, the religious leaders don't even bring up the healing. So if you read this story, healing is a huge part of it, obviously. But I would propose to you it's actually not the biggest part of it. Because the issue or the contention is around this one object known as the bed. The religious leaders show up and they're like, don't say anything about healing, which that was pretty insane, bro. For four decades, you're just laying over there, and now you're walking carrying your bed. They're like, you can't carry your bed. And Jesus, when he said, when he healed them, he said, get up take your bed. So what is he doing? 
I would propose to you that God is trying to define for us that you don't have to lay anything, lay on anything or do anything to receive rest. You just have to position yourself and know what you already carry. So he said, take up your bed to show him that it's no longer something you have to do to receive. See, I, I actually believe this, but I, I think this, the Sabbath is amazing. Sabbath is a day of rest, right? So within the law, it's one of the commandments that we honor the Sabbath. In, in other words, we take a day of rest. But can I just tell you, Jesus did say, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill it. So within the old covenant, the Sabbath is a day of rest. Within the new covenant, the Sabbath is a life with Jesus, hidden in him with continual rest. That's the sin. The sin simply means missing the mark. It's not as dark as you think all the time. The guy was missing the mark. In other words, his target was what he had to do to get what he needed rather than what Jesus already did. Changes everything. You're like, hey, stop sinning. Like, that seems so hardcore. But the sin is that you think you have to work for God to get something from God, rather than life of faith is working with Him from the creation, from the very beginning. Hey, Adam, what do you want to call this? What do you want to do? It's about partnership and relationship because you know you're a son or daughter. You know where you're seated and you know you're in Christ. Not perfect, but in Christ. There's a difference in working for God and working with God. It was Jesus who healed him. And then it says, this is, why the G this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Hang on, did that just say it like he was doing it more than just then? This is really cool, but I studied, I actually read something where, uh, where a pastor wrote about this and he said that it was written in the original language, it was that phrase, he was doing these things, was written in an imperfect tense, which means it was continually happening. The Jews knew who healed him because he was doing it all the time. It was what he was doing. What's the point? I don't get that. When you rest, God works. On the Sabbath is when God works. See, I think a lot of times we're like, I just can't hear God. I'm struggling to hear God. I don't understand what he's saying. And it's because he's not talking because you're trying to work for him. He's like, he doesn't speak that language. You're like, hey, boss. He's like, I just kind of want to be your friend. Hey, master. He's like, I just want to be your dad. Man. We got to get this. Christianity is not about working for something and ascending to this spiritual place. It's about knowing Jesus paid a huge price and did so much for you. You know who you are in him. That God wants you to live in this continual place where the Sabbath isn't a day you experience, but a lifestyle you live. See, I, I would propose to you this much more than a story of healing, it's a story of rest. And you know that's actually how you get healed. <laughs> it's true. I just love the scripture because you study it. And, and one of the names for Jesus, the names for God is Jehovah Rapha. You ever heard that? Rapha means healer. Do you know, get this, do you know one of the root words or the root definitions of, of that word Rapha and healer means to be relaxed? 
it, you, you have to be relaxed to experience rest. And you have to experience rest to be healed. Look, so many times, even physical symptoms are tied to your emotional state and anxiety. Haven't we all heard that? I just have so much anxiety, so much pressure, so much stress. I'm losing my hair. I'm gaining weight, losing weight, I'm dying. Jesus is like, hey, chill out. I love you. I have amazing things for you. But he wants us to know that we're supposed to take up our bed. It's no longer this day that we experience, this place we lay down. It's a position in him where we carry rest every single day. We know that he loves you. He has amazing plans. And he wants you to take up your bed and know your position in him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're saying and doing. You're just so faithful. God, I just thank you for, for teaching us. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading and guiding us. And I just pray that you seal this truth in each and every heart and mind who's here, that we would focus on our position, not our efforts and what we have to do, but our position. And then from there, we can work with you. So once we know our position in you, we can work with you. So we thank you for this truth and that we would discover identity more and more. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.